Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. In the last episode, we talked about bids for connection, and there's three outcomes to that. You can either turn away, turn against, or turn towards your partner in those times. And what we're going to be doing today is talking a little bit of what that would look like in different types of scenarios to help you have a better understanding of what these bids look like and what the negative or positive responses look like. But let's do a real quick recap before we jump in. Turning away is more like ignoring or half listening or half participating in the conversation. Turning against would be more of an aggressive or demeaning response to that. And then turning towards would be fully engaging your partner in that bid that they have given you. All right, with that being said, let's jump right in. So let's talk through a couple of examples of what each of these looks like in different situations. So in the very beginning, we talked about it could be spoken or unspoken. Let's talk about what this looks like with just a smile, a simple smile. Your spouse comes in, maybe they give you a sheepish smile because you haven't been on the best of terms but they're still bidding for that connection. By turning away, that would look like... Seeing the smile and then not smiling back. Yeah, or just physically turning away. And then the next one would be turning against. Wipe that stupid grin off of your face. Right, or you can't just come in here and act like everything's okay. And so that is clearly a missed bid for connection. And then what you're doing too is you're actively discouraging your partner from trying to come in later to try to reconnect after you've had a difficult moment. And so if you don't want to be the partner who's always coming trying to resolve a conflict when your partner does try to come in, you want to make sure you're more accepting when they're trying to resolve the conflict. Now, even for you, you may be upset because maybe this has happened multiple times or many times, but staying in that angry state is not going to fix or resolve that situation. It's about, let's talk about a plan now. Let's try to figure out what we can do differently. But that first step towards getting to talking through those things is responding to that bid in a positive way. Which would be turning toward, and that's just a simple smile back. Or maybe that smile makes you want to walk over and give them a hug. Or maybe that leads to an apology and you guys making up. But it starts with that simple turning toward in the situation of smiling. All right, and then with intimacy, what does this look like in turning away? Maybe you're in bed and you reach over to touch your spouse and they simply roll over or face the other way or pretend they're sleeping. Ways that they would turn against are maybe aggressively taking that hand and throwing it off or saying, I'm not going to give you that after the way you treated me today or this is all you ever want from me. And all of those things are very contemptuous type statements. And again, what it's causing to happen is your partner then to feel rejected or unimportant. And now you may have a good reason for it. You may have felt rejected or unimportant by your spouse earlier. But again, if you're feeling that way, your goal shouldn't be to then transfer those feelings to your partner. It should be to resolve how they have made you feel, not then make them feel a separate way. And this is the hard thing I think about being in relationships is Punishment should not be a part of the equation. You are not a parent. You should not be punishing your partner. You should be expressing to your partner how you feel and then coming up with a plan to do it differently. But when you don't do that, a lot of times couples do resort down to this punishment type mentality, but it's just not helpful. And then turning towards is 
Obviously, your partner makes this bid, they reach over, they touch you, and then you turn around and you embrace them. And in all three of these situations, there's two negative outcomes and one positive outcome, right? One has more negative ramifications. Obviously, that contempt is more negative, but that turning away still has that sense and feeling of rejection still attached to it. Maybe just not as much of a sting, but it still hurts. And then that turning towards then fulfills that need for connection. Yeah, and a lot of times this is where I tell my clients that sometimes this feels the loneliest. When you are in bed together, you're just in this small space together, but you feel the furthest apart. And there's such a big chasm between you guys because you know what it feels like to go to bed and have this division between you or have this tension between you. And it feels like such a big distance between you two. And so if there is an opportunity where someone does bid for connection or puts out that olive branch, as angry and upset as you are, this is an opportunity to take that olive branch and to turn toward your spouse. And this isn't going to fix everything, right? You're still going to have your problems and the things you've brushed under the rug, but this is going to be the beginning of turning toward. Because sometimes this is the hardest place to turn toward your spouse in. Oh, for sure. I always tell people when you're first trying to move your marriage in a more healthy direction, it could be very difficult. You're at the bottom of the mountain. You have this giant boulder to push up the hill and you have very little motivation or even strength to really start pushing that boulder up. But this is the most difficult time is that starting point and to start moving it up. And one of the important things is once you do start pushing that boulder up the mountain, you don't want to stop because if you stop, then the boulder rolls you over, you get injured, and now you're back at the starting ground where you have to start pushing it back up again. It's kind of one of these things where it's you just want to jump into this wholeheartedly, both feet, and just really get moving in the right direction where it's I'm really trying to push towards, push towards, push towards. I'm trying to turn that direction. And I think you were reading a statistic that the Gottmans had said a little bit ago where they said that basically it takes seven days and if you take seven days where you're just actively turning toward, turning toward, turning toward your partner, it can dramatically shift the direction and the dynamic of the relationship. Now, again, that's an easier said thing than it is done. It's easier to say, turn towards, I'm going to turn towards. But in those moments when you're frustrated, when you're upset, when you felt like your needs haven't been met, to choose to turn toward can be very, very difficult. But if you can have that light at the end of the tunnel where it's like, we can be in a dramatically different spot within seven days if I just choose to do this. Not my partner chooses to do this, but if I choose to do this, then that's worth at least a week of your time, isn't it? To just try to see if you could be in a better spot in seven days. Right. And it doesn't mean do those seven days and then stop. And just going back to what you're saying, Tim, about pushing that boulder up the hill, that if you stop midway, that it starts rolling back on you. I've seen that so many times with clients and in relationships in general, that that's one of the biggest things that really stops clients from believing that there can be change is because in the past, oh, they changed for a little bit and then they went back to it. Or they're only going to say this and change because I'm upset, but this isn't going to be a lifelong change. Or we got help and we started therapy for a little bit and then things got worse again once we stopped. So anytime I talk to clients, I talk about you need to consistently do this regardless of the response of your spouse. Because in the beginning, your spouse isn't going to believe that this is true. Your spouse isn't going to believe that you truly are trying to change because there's so much under the rug and because there's so much where 
they're not able to give you the benefit of doubt or they're choosing not to give you the benefit of doubt right now. And so that boulder, you start pushing it up and you're getting good momentum and then you stop and you're not consistent. So now that is crushing you. And I think sometimes you get into this position where you might not now be capable of pushing the boulder up the hill anymore. And what that really boils down to is now you have been too emotionally damaged and worn out. Now, am I saying now is the time we throw in the towel? Absolutely not. But what that does mean is that a different tact needs to be taken. And if you've listened to our program for any length of time, you've heard us talk about this before. But that's when EMDR really comes into play. You need to work on the emotional damage and start working on rooting out that seed of bitterness in order for you to kind of get repaired and get back to a healthy spot so that you can really go back to pushing that boulder up the hill. And as monumental and impossible a task as it may seem right now, if you get patched up, you get healed up, then you can go back after it. And what it will seem like is that mountain, that hill that you are pushing it up, will seem a lot shorter. That boulder, how heavy it seemed, how big it seemed, it will seem a lot smaller. And now I'll be able to hit it with a renewed sense of vigor. And again, if you've never been through EMDR or something that really works at reducing your overall emotional overburden, it's hard to imagine how different life can be. But one of the favorite things I always like to say about going through EMDR is that nothing changes, but everything changes. The practical math and calculus that is your life doesn't actually change. But then how you feel about it, how overwhelming, how difficult it seems, all of a sudden gets much less. It seems much easier, much less difficult, much less concerning. And I can attack it with this renewed sense of vigor compared to before. And so if you really are feeling yourself at that point of hopelessness where it's like, I don't feel like I have the energy or desire to push forward, try to get some EMDR first and then go back after the exact same things you're trying to go after before but you'll see you'll approach it with a whole new set of eyes. So let's look at the example of just dinner plans. Hey, what do you want to do for dinner? A turning away would be not saying anything and just ignoring it. And then turning against would be more like, I don't know, whatever you want to eat. Or I don't know, whatever. Or something like, I don't even know why you asked me. I always make suggestions and you never choose what I want. And then turning toward could be just answering the question, saying where you want to go. Or it could be like what we talked about in the beginning, acknowledging that they're talking to you and saying, hey, I can't right now. I would love to do dinner, but can we do it at this time? Or can I just finish up what I'm doing and then we can go? But another example of this could be saying, oh, whatever you want. We were just having this discussion right before this about how saying whatever, depending on your tone, depending on your intention and how they take it, could be a turning against or turning toward, right? So if they say, whatever you want, doesn't matter to me, or, oh, whatever you want, honey, there's a big difference in that just by your tone of voice. But just a little plug here, we are going to talk about in the next episode about how voicing your opinion is important in even trivial matters like this. So another scenario that we could use is phones, Right, this happens all the time in just our daily lives, and we hear it all the time in couples counseling as well, where phones cause so much issues of people feeling like the phone is more important or them not responding. So let's look at that scenario. What would it look like to turn away? So if you're on your phone and your spouse is doing this bid to connect, turning away would simply be just continuing to scroll around on your phone and maybe like halfway listening like we kind of discussed before but it'd be this idea that 
you are still continuing to focus on the phone and you're not shifting your attention really to put towards connecting with your spouse. And this is something I think you've even asked me to do before. Like if we're watching a show together, you've asked me not to be on my phone. And a part of the reason is because even if we're watching that show, there's still more ability for us to connect while watching the show if I'm not on my phone. But if I'm on my phone simultaneously while watching the show, then there's things I might miss. And then that removes our ability to connect over what's happening in the show. And then if we shifted to turning against instead of just kind of ignoring or halfway listening to what your partner's saying, it would be more of a frustration. God, what do you need? You're so desperate for my attention. Just can't you give me a break? I just want to watch my phone for a little bit. And so you see that way it's much more contemptuous and aggressive and attacking versus the more passive way of just turning away. Right. It could even be sighing as you put the phone down like, huh, or looking at them a certain way. But those definitely aren't ways to connect or to respond positively to those bids for connection. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if you roll your eyes or you cross your arms after you decided to give them your attention, you're still actively communicating to your partner that this is not desirable. I don't want to be doing this and that you're frustrated about participating. Right. And we've talked about this in past episodes But it's so important. These daily interactions are so important because these are the little digs and little frustrations that communicate to your partner. I don't want to be with you or you're such a bother. You're such a burden. It's not always those big things that ruin relationships. It's these little foxes that get under and ruin the vineyard and ruin the foundation of the relationship that you have. And our phone is a big one because it really is part of our everyday life now. And then a good example of with the phone of turning toward would be your partner does that bid for connection and then you take your phone, you turn the screen off, you put it down, face down so you can't even see the screen, and then you look towards them and you genuinely, in a kind way, start now engaging them so that you now have this time and this opportunity to connect. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and a good word that you use is kind. All of these bids for connection, turning toward would look like responding kindly, even if it's not fulfilling what they need at that moment. Just responding kindly and acknowledging their presence, that is the beginning of turning toward. And so I think in everything you do, do in love and in kindness. And the last category or situation that we'll use is with your kids. If your kids are wanting your attention or give you that bid for connection, it could look multiple ways, right? It could even just be, hey, mom, look. Or them playing and looking up at you to see if you're looking at them. But a lot of times parents miss that bid for connection because they're looking down at their phone or they're busy doing something else. And so I cannot remember what that study was, but there was a study that had watched how many times kids looked up at parents within a five minute span. And I don't remember the number, but it was way more than I would have thought. And even while they're playing, you think, oh, they're engaged. I can just be on my phone. Or they're playing around and doing something, maybe looking at ants and picking up flowers and doing different things outside. You think, oh, they're distracted and engaged. But they often will look up at you to see, hey, are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing? Or, hey, are you looking at me? Are you noticing me? And it's not always verbally, right? They're not doing that bid for connection verbally. And so that's why it is so important, going back to the last scenario, of making sure you're putting down your phone. Because they're not verbally always saying, hey, mom, look at this. Although it feels like that, right? When they're like, mom, mom, look at this. Hey, mom, look at this. But a lot of times 
they're just looking. They're looking up to see your response to something funny on the TV. If you're listening to an audiobook, they're looking up to see, are you laughing at that? Maybe there's a conversation going on and they're just looking to see your response. So they're always looking at you. And so I think with kids and parenting especially, there are a lot of missed opportunities just because we're distracted. And I am by no means saying we need to be 100% on our kids all the time. They need to know how to entertain themselves, yes, and they need to have autonomy. But I'm talking about putting down your phone long enough to spend time with your kids where you're not split all the time in very purposeful ways and at very purposeful times. So we actually had a little interim in the middle of us recording this podcast. And so this whole idea of bids for connection was very much on our mind. Our baby had woken up, so we stopped the recording. And then we were outside with the other kids. And I was sitting there. We had this wood project that we're working on. So I'm sanding something. And then the kids are playing with the bubbles, doing different things. And they're like, look at this, Dad. Look at this. Watch this. Right now, if I were going to turn away from them, I would just have ignored them and then continued doing what I was doing. Or even just say, oh, wow, nice. Not even kind of looking up. And then if I was going to turn against them, I'd be something more like, can't you see I'm busy? Looking at your bubbles is not important. I got to finish this project here. And then turning towards would be stopping the sanding that I'm doing, looking up, watching what they're doing, and then responding to that. Oh, that's so cool. Or that's so fun. Or maybe even participating with them. Right. So I was sanding this thing and then there was a bunch of dust all over it and I wanted to get the dust off. So I took the leaf blower out and I was blowing it down. And then one of my daughters was like, blow the bubbles with that. So, so I stopped and I blew the bubbles with the leaf blower and it didn't go as amazingly as she thought it would. <laughs> but it was a time where I could just keep doing what I was doing or I could pause and then engage them. And then actually another interesting thing happened. So I'd finished a little bit the wood project I had and then we have this field up behind our house that I like to look at every now and again. And so I was like, who wants to go see the field with me? The older two girls were like, Mimi. And, and then they wanted to go. And so I walked up. We went and we looked with them for a little while. And then I started walking back to the house and then halfway back to the house. Then my son comes up the trail. And in that moment, I could have turned away, but instead I turned towards him. So even though I was done looking, I was like, okay, let's go back up. And so I walked back up with him. We went to go check out the field. And then once the four of us were now done looking at the field, then we started walking back down again. And then Ruth, then you came up and then the baby was there. Again, I was done the first time, went up with my son, came back down. Then I saw you. And then I was like, okay, let's go back up again. So now uh, all seven of us went up there and then we looked at the field and we had some time together. And then we turned back down and went back down to the house. And so in all those moments, I was actively choosing because it was at the forefront of my mind. I want to choose to turn towards in this time as opposed to turn away or turn against. Oh, and I totally appreciate that because I had earlier wanted to go up to the field, but I thought, oh, we're going to wait for dad to come down. And so when you asked who wants to go up, the girls wanted to go and I was still feeding the baby. And so when I could, I went up with my son and the baby. I knew that Tim had already gone up there and I knew he is probably done with it. But I was really pleased the way he responded when I shared that I wanted to go up as a family. And I knew he didn't hear that. And so he quickly apologized and was like, oh my gosh, I didn't hear that. I'm so sorry. And I told him, no, it wasn't something I said while you were there, but I couldn't get the baby fast enough when you went up with the girls. And so he could have easily got upset with me and turned against me and said, well, I didn't hear that. But he didn't at all do that. 
he turned toward me and he knows especially that I love to experience things as a family and I love for him to experience things even though it might not be super important to him. And so a lot of times I know that he's doing things intentionally to serve me and to bless me. And so his responses were clearly intentional and a turning toward And it did make me feel appreciated and I did feel connected because we got to go up to the top together. We looked around, we took pictures of the kids in the field and everyone was excited and it was a great time. And so it's all these little experiences like that, that you can look at and think that they're something insignificant, but that you can turn it into something significant by identifying that it's an opportunity to either turn away, turn against, or turn towards. Absolutely. And that's what we want you to look for this week. Throughout this next week, we want you to look for every opportunity that you have to turn toward your spouse or to turn toward your kids. We want you to intentionally do that and really look for these opportunities because it's exactly that. It's an opportunity to connect if you choose turning toward, but it's an opportunity to withdraw and to take a jab if you choose to turn away or to turn against. And so when Tim mentioned earlier about Gottman saying, how long does it take to reconnect or to come back in the marriage and to see a change? They say seven days, right? And that's intentionally turning toward. And so that's what we want this week is every opportunity you have to turn toward. We want you to be more and more aware of when your spouse or when your kids are bidding for a connection and then respond appropriately. And we'd love for you guys to come over in the Facebook group and share how that went. What are some examples of a bid for connection maybe that you did well with and you turned toward? Or maybe an example of when your spouse did that for you? Or maybe even share when it didn't go as well and when there was a turning against or turning away. But ideally, we would love to see this make a difference in your life and for you guys to truly choose to turn toward your spouse and truly choose daily to be intentional about this. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.